The idea of this podcast is simple, discipleship. We want to bring the gospel message about how to interact with your coworkers, your culture, your friends, everyone around you in a biblical way, which is, in essence, discipleship. What did Jesus do when he came to this earth? He took the devil's stuff. The Bible actually teaches that the world is becoming increasingly covered with the knowledge of the glory of God. That should change everything in the mind of a Christian. Instead of thinking about all the ways society is failing, we should think about all the ways society must be, as Psalm 1101 tells us, put underneath the feet of Jesus in victory. The Rebel Alliance Podcast. We would be honored if you would join us. Welcome back to the Rebel Podcast. As always, you got Chris and Nate in our hideout, Garage Mahal, with the studio sound wizard, David. Nate, how you doing, my friend? I'm good. I'm tired, but, uh, you know, nothing's new there. Uh, so i got kids who don't like sleeping and like getting sick and uh, sharing their germs, so life's good that way. Um, other than that, though, things are good. Things are good. <laughs> I was going to say, I, I wish the listeners, like, I know we do videos, Sometimes I just wish they could see the live versions of the podcasts <laughs> because you look like I could honestly, I feel like I could just stop and you could just fall asleep right now. I could, I could actually keep talking to me. Otherwise I might. <laughs> um, that doesn't bode well for the content of our podcast that I could just fall asleep doing it. What are the listeners doing? Uh, well, we are the rebel podcast and, uh, you're listening to our show hopefully on Wednesday, but you might be listening to it, uh, catching it a little late and we're part of the rebel Alliance media. Uh, we have the, uh, Van Brimmer family on board making podcasts as well. They have some, uh, some cool things going on. Fathers of faith for covenant kids. They do a short podcast that we release on Mondays. Uh, and they're doing a series right now, which is kind of cool about a Puritan America and kind of the history of, um, America and the Christian roots and some cool stuff that way. So check that out. Uh, and then Grant and Erica themselves do a podcast called the Awakening Reformation podcast that comes out on Tuesdays. And then of course we come out on Wednesdays and then there are blog posts and cultural videos that we do on Fridays. So there's lots of stuff and you can find it all at rebelalliancemedia.com. Yeah. Countless arguments on Facebook, shameless <laughs> amounts of Instagram posts. Yeah. Like we're just really taking over the whole world. That's the plan. That's the plan. That's yeah. The, that's the goal. Trying to, try to put social media under the under the feet of Jesus in victory. That's the plan. That's a very nice way of putting it. I yeah, was just going to say dominate everything, but that's fine too. <laughs> that's, that's fine. Um, okay. So we, uh, we have a bit of a transition show for you. Uh, we've kind of concluded or at least stepped away from uh, the parables for a while. We did all the parables in Matthew 13, the kingdom parables. And uh, we got some traction on that. It seems like people enjoyed those shows. And so we might come back and do a few more of the parables because parables do exist outside of Matthew 13. <laughs> <laughs> Let us know if you guys want us to do more parables. We're, we're always up for hearing yeah, like, yeah. suggestions. Yeah, totally, totally. Um, so this is a bit of a transition episode. We got some cool things coming up in the next couple of weeks. So we want to do some rebel news for you. And, uh, and we kind of just want to talk about culture. A few big things have happened. And so um, after the break, after we come back from some rebel news, uh, we just want to kind of talk through some of the things that are going on in the culture right now. So I guess, I mean, the big thing in terms of rebel news is the midterm elections just happened a couple of days ago uh, from when we're recording this. 
Uh, what were your thoughts? Did you follow it? I mean, we're we're Canadian, and you know our listeners are kind of split between Canadians and Americans. But Canadians generally pay more attention to American politics than Americans do to Canadian. So, how, what was your interest level? Uh, my interest level was like, truthfully, it was low um, in terms of the actual like what the midterm elections actually stand for and mean. I almost find that this happens every time. This happens every oh, presidency. Yeah. Every yeah. like the midterm elections come out. There's like this is the way we're going to change America. And then nothing actually is going to change. It's just going to deadlock everything and leave it up till the next election. That's the way this works. You get two years locked. Two years. It's just the way it seems to go. So my my interest level in terms of like the actual process very low. Yep. My interest level on the hoopla around it <laughs> very high. Yeah. I thought I I. Now may, maybe it's just because we're we're a little bit more engaged. It feels like the people in our circles and just people we're in, in general around. This is a, a, such a big event for everybody. It felt yeah. like there's a lot of people really invested. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I I can't for sure. Yeah. I I took PolySci and I remember like people telling me like having to sit down and explain what a midterm election was. This time, particularly this time, there was people who were like so invested they knew the names of congressmen that were running in like Wyoming. I'm just like, how do you know these things? Just people were very invested because they actually think that this is like a telling thing of the world and the, and the way this is going. I just, I found it very awkwardly hilarious to watch kind of thing. Yeah. So, um, and what'd you think of the results? Uh, th- to be honest, that's exactly what I expected. I expected mm. the Republicans, Republicans to keep the Senate, but lose the overall the house. house. Yeah. And I, I have to, I have to think that's exactly what Trump expects. That's exactly what the Republicans expect. Right. Well, not I mean, idiots. the ma- mainstream media was was kind of calling for a blue wave, right? And it wasn't nearly. I mean, the House uh, wasn't nearly the blue wave they're predicting, uh, but it was a solid victory. And uh, but the uh, Republicans actually. Um, advanced their, like they added to their majority in the Senate, right? They expanded their majority in the Senate, which is good. Um, so, I mean, there's there's some, for those of you, I mean, I don't want to assume all our listeners are are conservative or Republican or whatever. And the truth is, we're, I wouldn't, I don't like considering myself Republican, especially as a Canadian, <laughs> who cares? But, uh, but certainly, um, you know, I think that uh, we would get behind the policies of a conservative government uh, far more than a liberal one. And uh, but the, so the good thing is, is that Trump gets an, to elect another Supreme Court justice, which is kind of kind of cool. Like he'll get a, he'll get another justice appointed because they uh, expanded their majority in the Senate. So, you know, if you thought Kav- <laughs> if you thought the Kavanaugh circus was crazy, this I mean, just gear up. It's it's going to go nuts. Well, I would assume they, they just bring in the next like all the same guys he nominated before would would yeah and be the and the truth pool? is Kavanaugh was like the, <laughs> exactly. the the least conservative of them I mean he's a constitutionalist and he has a good track record and all those things but in terms of like who could have got the actual nomination I mean he's he's vanilla compared <laughs> compared to a couple of them so it'll be interesting to see what the Democrats do um, so yeah so all the only thing I wanted to say on that was I w- I was shocked and this is this is just what I would think of is. You know, whenever politics goes crazy like that, I'm just reminded of Psalm 2, right? So, you know, there, there are all kinds of people who, whether they're, they're wearing the red or wearing the blue, you know, uh, calling out to their idol donkey or idol <laughs> elephant, right? Um, 
you know, Psalm two just sticks in my mind that the God of heaven laughs at uh, at the plans of the world, right? He he laughs them to scorn, and uh, and ultimately, you know, the rulers of the earth are called to uh, pay tribute to the Son, and uh, and so you know, Christ rules the world, and I think Christians very quickly forget that, and we place way too much hope in who gets voted in and and all that kind of stuff. So. Um, so that's that, but that, that, so we, I said something about Kavanaugh and so we haven't, we haven't discussed this, which I think is really interesting is that, uh, right. The three allegations that kind of came forward from, uh, against Kavanaugh, Dr. Ford was the main one. She's the one who testified before Congress. Um, but the other two ladies who came up with rape allegations have both now admitted, admitted to fabricating the rape story, um, for political motivations. Yeah. This is insane. It's, it, it's, it's everything you would want in a drama movie. Like this, you couldn't write right. this for Hollywood. Yeah. This is exactly what would happen if you, if you sat down and thought, I'm going to make a TV show about politics. This is what would happen in right. that TV show. I've never watched the show House of Cards, but I'm sure this is what that show House of Cards <laughs> right. is all about. Right. You can't script this stuff. And I, and I, well, I'm not seemingly trying. they did. <laughs> Apparently you actually can. Yeah. Um, Hillary Clinton somehow figured it out. No, I'm just kidding. Can we get in trouble for that? Probably. Probably. The thoughts are... There's nothing wrong with Hillary Clinton. <laughs> She's a wonderful person, and I don't want to commit suicide. So, <laughs> so Cody, if you ever find me mysteriously, I'm, I'm happy. I'm happy. I don't. I've never. I'll, I will never commit suicide. If, if if it ever comes out that I committed suicide, you know, inquire. It was it was it was Bill's fault. <laughs> oh man, this went to a yeah. dark place. Yeah, I, did, I, I have two. Th- I have two thoughts on that whole thing. One, are we surprised in a culture? that builds up people to tear down the like American culture more than any, anywhere else in the world that I've ever thought of is, is a culture that builds one person up only for the specific person to rip him down. People get ahead and then they, and then the other side. So the, whether it's left or right, their only job is to tear that person down. They're not trying to fight his policies. They're not trying to fight. They, they attack the person. Yeah. And it's like, it's different than other places in the world where we fight the policy and we fight the ideals in America. It very much feels, we had this conversation with one of our good friends from the layman's cup a while ago about it. They very much attacked the person. And so is it shocking that people would find a way to say, to say slanderous things or even just to try to like, overbear the the evidence because ford hasn't to the to, to the at the time of recording hasn't recanted her her testimony it's just the other two supporting witnesses that have and so is it any shocking that they were paid to say that at this point when you live in a culture that all, all we need to do is overwhelmingly tear somebody down it's not right. shocking to me blows yeah. my mind um yeah i agree and i think it's i think it's interesting because, uh, you know, we, we kind of, not, not that we predicted this, we didn't say that they're lying. We had no idea, but we just kind of said, let, let due process, you know, go. And, uh, and you know, it's just funny how, you know, quick people were to say the investigation didn't go far enough and all this kind of stuff. And, um, you know, nothing's been found. And so it, it, I, I think, you know, and we were constantly ridiculed. I know I got blamed or, attacked quite often for you got called an anti-feminite or whatever that's like anti <laughs> anti it wasn't anti-feminist it was anti yeah something i something. can't remember <laughs> like, the allegations were yeah but um 
but I guess the the point is is that you know one of the things that among many things that we were kind of accused of is you know not believing victims right not believing survivors as they say and um and and we kept being told you know what motivation does a woman have to you know make up a story like this well you know here's the examples two of them false definitively false admitted false for political motivations so i you know i think if 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 what this should teach the left and the right because the truth is if if these things were proven and Kavanaugh had done any of the things, you and I would be right there alongside everybody saying, get him off the Supreme Court and put him in jail, right? So I I just say that to say, like, we have to believe in due process. We have to believe innocent until proven guilty. And we've talked about this so many times. And this is exactly why. Because depravity knows no bounds. And nothing is sacred, including rape allegations. Meaning that, yes, for something as silly as political grandstanding someone will accuse another person of rape and try to ruin their lives that will happen so it doesn't matter if you are a victim it doesn't matter if you are you know innocent and whatever somebody is the the reality is we are all totally depraved we are all sinful we are all capable of gross injustice and horribly evil things and that's why the biblical standard is what it is yeah exactly and the the other thing with this is that if we were applying the biblical standard to this, there's no benefit for the women to come out and falsify falsify this because they would get the same punishment. Right. And so we live in a culture where they can, I can falsely accuse you of whatever I would like, and you can't do anything to me. Right. Because to be honest, you look like a like Kavanaugh would have the recourse right now to go to civil court and charge them with slander. He's going to look like a monster if he does yeah. that. So he's not going to do that. And everybody knows he can't do that. Right. So there is no recourse. There is no fabric. Like there, I don't know either of these women's names off the top of my head. I think, I, I think I've think i read them, but yeah. I don't know what these people look like. Their, their lives are not affected in the fact that they've falsely yeah. accused at all. Well, and, and this is the thing is, you know, Kevin has got two daughters and, you know, those daughters have to now go to school and you, like... We, we talk often on this program how this, how schools are just, you know, liberal breeding grounds, figuratively and literally. <laughs> but, oh boy. But, uh, you know, and, and his daughters are going to have to go to school with people who wholeheartedly believe that their father is a rapist. And like, how hard is that for his family? So my, my thing here is, you know, I think it's shameful. Every single person who shared and accused and criticized Kavanaugh without the evidence, you should now post an article, link to an article, where it's shown that these women have um, have admitted to fabricating the story. You should do that. That's that's That should be your penance. And, and you should say, I was wrong. I'm sorry. I shouldn't have jumped on this. That's what you should do. And the mainstream media who ran the story, front page, you talked about this so much, they should be running the story. And that's I think that's what's most shameful about all this is that many news outlets did not run this story. Some of them did. But as always, front page news is the accusation, right? The allegation. And, you know, last page news is the retraction. So... It's shameful because at the very least, this wasn't in a criminal court, right? So like you said, biblical justice doesn't, that's not what it looks like here. But 
but they, you know, these women should be subject to the same sort of public ridicule that Kavanaugh was. And the truth is they won't receive it because I think in, in, this is a broad general term, but I, generally speaking, I don't think conservatives are as vile in terms of online attack as the left is. And I, I could be wrong about that. I know that there are some crazies on both sides, but in general, I, I think that that's true. So I don't think they'll get lambasted quite the same way that Kavanaugh did. But I think that that should happen. And it's shameful, I think, that so many people who are so willing to jump down and, and attack Kavanaugh have not... I even acknowledge the reality of, of these, uh, these now admitted fabrications. Yeah, it's a really good point because we always talk about like headline news, like papers need to do retractions. Yep. Well, we now live in a culture that's headline news every time we post on Facebook, every time we yep. post on social media. And totally. we're, we're an, an avenue of social, social media, yeah. the Rebel Alliance Media Podcast. These things are social media. How many Facebook fights did we get into about Kavanaugh or that that drifted into that conversation. I have yet to see one of the people who are arguing with us who said nobody ever falsifies, falsely accuses people. Not one has actually said, you know what? I was wrong. I'll I'll own it. So I think that's a great call. Let's, let's, let's call him out. Let's, let's see some people say I was wrong because if we, if we, if we're all working towards getting the world, both sides, you know, to start acting right, to getting the world in a better place. Start here. Start admitting when you're wrong. Yeah. I, I work, I work in a public, in a public sphere and there's a conversation I was having with one of my coworkers the other day was about a, a newer person who at the start was doing a, like, a, like making a lot of mistakes. I won't say names or anything, but making a lot of mistakes. But like she got called out in for one of the mistakes, not even named, but owned up in front of everybody. It was like, yeah, that was me. I'm so sorry. And wrote like I was unprofessional. This in, in like in the in the email thing where I was unprofessional. I'm sorry. Like didn't need to name herself out because it was like dealt with privately, but publicly it was like it was me that did this. And I was just like all the credit in the world to this person, right? Because she she made a mistake. Nobody really made a big deal about the mistake, but she owned up to the mistake and was like, you know what? This was me. Don't like don't think it was you guys. It was me here, and I fixed it and I addressed it. Yeah. And I'm like, you know what? That's what we need more of in the world. People who are willing to just say, I was wrong and I'm sorry, which let's think biblically. What is that? That's repentance. Yeah. Admitting you don't, don't make an excuse. Don't say, you know what? But most of the time it's no, just say I was wrong here and bow the knee and say, I'm sorry. Yeah. And, and move along. When we start acting shockingly, when we start acting like Christians and we start acting how we're supposed to. Things go away. Like I wouldn't, I, if somebody, like the truth is if somebody asks for forgiveness and they mean it, say they're sorry, do you ever hold that against them for very much longer? No, it's over. As Christians, we're called to forgive, right? Exactly. Yeah, um, absolutely. So one last thing for with, uh, the elections and midterms and political stuff. Um, so Alabama and West Virginia, you hear about this? Yeah, I saw this. Yeah, so Alabama and West Virginia both voted uh, in favor of making a state policy to protect the rights of the unborn children. So um, Alabama, I think it was 59% in favor and West Virginia, 52%. So essentially what this does is uh, it, it will, if Roe v. Wade gets overturned, right? So I think this is on there kind of hoping and, and thinking now with Kavanaugh and, and potentially with another Supreme Court justice, um, getting confirmed under uh, Trump's uh, presidency that Roe v. Wade will get overturned. Um, these two states will essentially be be one step closer to completely outlawing abortion, which is which is pretty cool. So they're putting stuff in. Now, 
that's that's what's cool about it. But I mean, we still think that this is not the right strategy. Don't the the right strategy is not to attack Roe v. Wade. Roe v. Wade was illegal uh, in uh, writing of law. Right, it, it's not in the American Constitution to write law through the courts, um, and so the Supreme Court uh, that's not their role. So we actually think that at a state level, the state should just, so there you go. I, I think, you know, not that I, I don't know how many politicians from West Virginia or Alabama listen to the show, but I would assume the, a lot, right? Like the strategy <laughs> ought to be just stop it. You, you have a majority. I mean, 52% isn't much of a majority, but it, it's a majority nonetheless. Stop abortions in your state. And when the federal government comes after you and says, oh, whoa, but Roe v. Wade, then point to the liberal states that are becoming sanctuary states or have legalized cannabis because that's against federal uh, law as well. So uh, I, I don't think that this is the, the best strategy for the pro-life movement, but it's good to see progress nonetheless. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a positive step in the... In the- right. Even if it's if it's not the step I want them to take, it's still a positive step. Yeah. Um, not not just to, not to go global, but Northern Ireland is actually still still holding on. To, they had a they had a vote recently, and they're still holding on to like abortions completely illegal in Northern Ireland. And so it's yeah. just like it's interesting because the Republic of Ireland people. <laughs> Geography lesson. There's two different countries there, people. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, like Northern Ireland, they are still holding on to abortions completely illegal. And so I, I didn't know that. And I was like, you know what? There's, there's a, there's a, there's a country that has every reason politically to bow. You know right. I mean? They're part of the Commonwealth They're But yet they're like, nah, we're still going to do our own thing. Let's take that examples to the States where they right. can, where they do have some, like some sovereignty in their own state to be like, well, we can make our own decisions and do it. You know what I mean? Like, and, and so I think that's what, if, if we could challenge our listeners in, in the South, in the South to do anything would be stop thinking federally about this. Just think at home. Yeah. Think Get your, locally. Speak to your mayor, speak to your, like, I know you, when you voted, you, you, even though they have no say in our, in our, in our mayoral elections in, in our area, you still ask what their stance was. So totally. you voted for people who were, like, I had several th- people ask what, like, why does that matter? This is a municipal <laughs> election. I say it matters to me and, and how they, how they answered made, made a huge, di- well, yeah, it made, made all the difference. So. But I, I was thinking about that. If we, if as Christians, if we want to see, Obviously, we need hearts to change. Prayer, yeah. heart, people seeing seeing Christ for who He is, Jesus changing people's hearts is the main thing that was gonna is gonna change. But policy wise, we can see change by people. Just let's elect the people that agree with what we think. Let's start getting the Christian worldview into places of power. Yeah, and then we can start to ask for the changes that we that we would let. Well, we ah, that we would like is the word I was looking to use. All right, let's let's bring this a little closer to home. I got one more and then I know you got some funny ones for us. Uh, to lighten the mood a little <laughs> I bit. Just assume you, I love how you assume all of mine are funny. They are. Well, you were yeah, you're laughing. So, okay. So, um, there's an article on Global News about an Ontario woman. So here's the headline. I'm afraid for other people. Ontario woman in same-sex relationship told by church she's not welcome. So uh, there's a woman in Oshawa uh, here in Ontario who is speaking out after uh, receiving a registered letter from her church leadership telling her that she's no longer a member uh, because she's in a same-sex relationship. So uh, this woman uh, talked to Global News, and it's a uh, it's a, a, a it's a 
we'll just say it's a, a Baptist church in, in Oshawa. I won't put any names out. Not be, I mean, this article makes it all public, but um, I, I've actually, I, I, I have met the pastor uh, of this church uh, and he's a solid guy. And uh, so Global News goes on to talk about, uh, and, and she goes on to talk about how, you know, basically she's being kicked out of the church and she's not welcome there anymore and all this kind of stuff, which actually isn't true, right? They've revoked her membership. They've executed church discipline. And, uh, but of course, the tone of the whole thing is, I thought churches weren't supposed to be judgy, which isn't in the Bible, but. <laughs> <laughs> which just isn't yeah, there. Yeah. But uh, so basically what happened was this woman was in a same-sex relationship for quite a while. Uh, she was professing faith. She was a member and she finally kind of came out and there had been some people in the church who had been walking her through this and, and you know, uh, challenging her and, and uh, confronting her on her sin. And she finally kind of went public and posted, you know, came out, so to speak, on social media. And that's when the church acted and sent out and, you know, revoked her membership. It's just interesting because I, I think this is going to happen more and more. It's a hard, I, and, and, you know, my, my reaction to this is it's a, it's a hard time to be biblical, as a church, right? Absolutely. In Canada, it's a hard time to be biblical. To execute church discipline um, is not only not popular, but could open you up to litigation. And I wouldn't be shocked if there were, uh, you know, charges now being brought against this church. I would not be shocked if she's already talking to Global News. Chances are she's, you know, she's already gonna, she's going to be seeking out the legal help to. The lawyers are going to seek her out for. Yeah, it, right? exactly. Like, you know, some some lawyer with a bone to pick is going to find her and and offer to do her case pro bono. I'm sure. So um, I, I just bring that up just to say, you know, for those of you who are listening, and I know we have several pastors uh, in our area who listen to this, you know, the the cost of being biblical is high, but the cost of not being biblical is even higher, right? So, um, you know, we might face a day when we are imprisoned, when we are, you know, uh, sued, when our livelihood is taken away, when our church credentials are taken away, when the doors, you know, our, our charitable licenses are taken away, when, you know, we throw it in prison, who knows? And the reality is, is that the church has always grown best uh, under persecution. And so, you, you know, I, I see a story like that, and it actually gives me great hope that um, if churches are going to be faithful and face this kind of ridicule and backlash for it, then I think that's, you know, uh, I used this analogy at church on Sunday, and uh, I think, you know, as post-millennials, we believe that the kingdom is is growing and expanding, and oftentimes we see things like this and these kinds of headlines, and we think about the world as getting worse and worse, and I use this analogy on Sunday. It's like it's like a kind of a, a cornered wild animal, right? They got nowhere else to go, and and there's they suddenly the violence and the you know the the untamable nature kind of comes out, and I think that's what we're seeing in the world around us. I think you know the gospel has grown for centuries. Um, you know, Canada, America, built on a Christian foundation. We've enjoyed the privileges of a Judeo-Christian uh, government for so long. And here we are now, not only do I think some of the regression that we've seen is a result of Christians no longer thinking that, you know, their faith has anything to say in the public sphere, but I think the other thing is, is that we're seeing the world as like, you know, the, the wild animal it is, cornered on its last legs, lashing out, and the violence and the depravity is just being absolutely uh, seen for what it is. I think that's what we're seeing, and I think we're going to see more of that, and I think the church needs to stay faithful instead of getting intimidated by a cornered animal. Yeah, I think that I lo I love that analogy when he said it on Sunday about the idea of like when when you're winning a fight and as post one as we we believe 
Jesus. Christ is winning. Exactly. Yeah. Christ is winning this fight. It's no shock that the other kingdom is going to fight back even harder. Yep. If you put it into a military term, if you, the closer you get to the capital, the harder the, the war becomes, right? Absolutely. Why? Because you have like the losing side. It's yeah. death or or right. fight. So you fight, yeah. and so it's like uh, you get there's no there's no surrender option here, right? Yeah. So um, it's it makes sense that the world would be doing this, and so I want I want to say congr- I don't know the the pastor. You haven't told me who who it was. Congratulations, props, yeah. like great job doing the right thing. We need to start celebrating people who do the right do yeah. the, do the right thing. And I I I think it's interesting that the way the global global news has spun the story, like she was kicked out of the church. Church isn't a mandatory thing. You're not you nobody forced her to come to the church. Right. You know I mean nobody or take forced, up membership. Exa- exactly exactly yeah. that's where I was going. Nobody for like I've been to churches that I'm not, that I'm not a member of. I'm a member of one church, but I I've been to other churches and I'm not a member of those churches. They can't kick me out of that of those churches. You know what I mean? You could kick me out of our church because I'm a member of our church. Right. So I signed up for that and I know exactly what I signed up for. Yeah. And so it's like the, it's like the most entitled culture that we're like in shocking that we live in, (laughs) but we're just like, I signed up to be a part of this, but I don't want, I, you can't kick me out of it. And even though I'm going to go against all the rules you've set in place for me to follow and live in this, in this community, think of it in other, in another Avenue. If you were a tenant of a condo, and the condo rule said no parties, no fires, and no, I don't know, whatever things condos have. So no fires. And you're like, but I determ- I am determined. I'm going to sign that, but I'm determined to light fires in my house all the time. I'm just going to burn everything. And the condo's going to you. And then you get evicted. Out. Exactly. And nobody's going to say anything yeah. wrong about that. How is this right. any, how right. is this any different? Yeah. You know, they know the rules. This lady knew the rules. Yeah. And she decided to not play by them. And the church isn't isn't saying don't come. The church isn't saying we're not going to love you. The church isn't saying we're not going to help you overcome this. We believe that homosexuality can be overcome with the gospel, that it can be changed. Um, and so the church is willing to do all of those things. They're not saying we hate you, get out of here. They're saying you just can't be a member and vote in our decisions and all and, and all that stuff. You're still welcome on Sundays. Yeah. And I think, uh, you know, this is, this is a strategy of the uh, progressive left, I would say, that we just haven't adopted yet. And I think it's because as Christians, you know, we aren't, not all strategies are lawful for us. You know what I mean? Like, I think, you know, the, the ends don't always justify the means. We still have to fight the way, you know, within the boundaries of scripture. But the left has this um, strategy of going somewhere and demanding that that place accommodate them, right? I mean, this is the world that we live in now, right? Going into churches and saying, where's my transgendered washroom? Like going into a world with only two genders <laughs> and demanding to be called one of the zillion other genders, right? Going into uh, the boys the, the boy, boys club and demanding that they allow a girl in, going into the Girl Scouts and demanding that they allow boys, right? This is the world that we live in now. And I just, I haven't seen that yet. I, I'm sure I've said this on the podcast before. If not, I know I've said this to you privately, but like, where's the, the like five, six foot, you know, Christian dudes in high school who go and demand to be able to play in the girls basketball league and just crush everybody. Like where, you know, we, we haven't adopted that strategy yet. And I think in, in some ways we can't, but I think there are some ways where, you know, we have to run the reductio uh, strategy on this. 
And it's just, it's just a sad state of affairs because, you know, this is, this is what happens here, right? So, uh, you know, a, a lesbian woman goes into a church takes up membership and I don't know all the details, so I don't know where she was when she took up membership yeah, or, or all that or kind of stuff. Who knows? Who knows? But whatever the case is, you know, and, and I, I would assume this church has some sort of ministry covenant, some sort of understanding like we do. And so now she wants to go in and make everybody's rules change to cater to her. And it is entitlement, just like you said, and it's, and it's, it's a really insidious strategy and we, we, we have to stop allowing it. At some point we have to draw a line in the sand and say, no, right? Exactly. It's the same thing. It's the same thing. Like the, the fact that it's um, same sex marriage and same sex, um, like gender issues that are sparking all this fire. Think of it. If it was adultery, if this was just a man who cheated on his wife, we would still do the exact same thing that that church did for that member. Yep. We'd ask them to to repent to fix to fix it. If not, we would bring it to the church, and eventually, if he refused to change his ways, he would get ousted from membership from our church. Nobody, nobody's going to the like that man can't or woman in this situation can be either is going to Global News. Global News isn't running a story saying he kicked out of this church because he's cheating on his wife. Because cheating on your wife is still something that we look at in culture, being like, yeah, you probably shouldn't do that. You know what right. I mean? We have websites that'll help you, but let's keep it on the DL. You <laughs> yeah, know what I mean? Let's not talk about that in public. But because it's still it's still taboo, right? But same sex marriages isn't anymore. So what happens is like the same the same thing. We would do the same thing in both scenarios, but one is, yeah. and the other one is or like, let's oh, even that makes use sense. something that's even more like beating your wife. Right. Like we, we would place a man under church discipline for beating his wife. Right. Yes, we absolutely. can all talk about how bad that would be. Yeah. We right? all universally. Yeah, agree universally. That's wrong. There you go. Yeah. So. Um, so, yeah, it, it, you know, there, there's that. Let's lighten the mood a little bit before <laughs> yeah. we go to break, because you have a couple you have a couple things that will make some people laugh. OK. For, first one I actually want to bring up. Um, it, it isn't so much funny as as. It's it's something that's happening right now that is it's it seems like it's spiraled out of control and I I just want to hear your thoughts on it. I don't even know if you even know that this is happening. Oh boy. So I'm a worship guy, so I know a little bit about the mu- worship music scene. Lauren Degel, do you know the name? Oh, yes. Okay, so I think you know maybe where yeah, I'm going. She's is she Hillsong? No, no, no. She's oh. just a she's just a singer on her own. Okay, clearly I don't um, know. <laughs> I don't know who you're like. No, she's not Hillsong. Yeah. Okay. Um, no, she's just an independent artist. Right. Um, great voice, by the way. Um, but anyway, she, Ariana Grande, um, basically was uh, like a, it was a famous celebrity. I don't know anything about her, but tweeted like, oh no, sorry, it was uh, Selena Gomez. See, this is how little I know about this that that culture. But anyway, Selena Gomez tweeted, "You need to check this girl out." Okay. So Lauren Nagel, Christian singer. I think she's connected to Justin Bieber. She, yeah, but Selena Gomez is connected hey, to Justin Bieber. Hey, I know Bieber. things. Hey, I know things. Look at you. <laughs> uh, everybody who's listening here who's under the age of 35 is just cringing at this whole conversation <laughs> right now. But anyway, Lauren Nagel then, since then, has been invited on Ellen, Jimmy Fallon, and all of these like secular things to sing. And she's she's singing Jesus songs, basically bringing church to Ellen. So I I want to get your thoughts on what's happened with this because there's been a massive divide about this. And we've talked about this sometimes with Snoop Dogg and Justin Bieber and Lauren Daigle, clearly a Christian. It's the opposite thing. Her Christianity has gotten her the fame now. Right. And so it's the opposite of like a, a celebrity becoming a Christian. This is like a Christian becoming a celebrity. Right. And what do they do with that platform? And she's going on these, these things and she's singing about Jesus. What do you think about this? Okay, so clearly I don't know a whole lot about this lady because I, yeah, I don't know her. Um, what's her music like? 
So like, do you know how, like how gospel centered is it? Uh, the, the songs, I, the songs I know we've sung, we sing two of them at our church. Oh boy. So don't say that. Probably. <laughs> <laughs> um, which songs, uh, there's a Chris, Chris, uh, Christmas one called Noel. Oh yeah. No, yeah, yeah. that one. Yeah. Um, and then we, I just sang it into the microphone. I'm now realizing, <laughs> I, I realized because our sound wizard turned on, we just like shaking his head. <laughs> we're like, oh, that's awful. Sorry, Dave. Um, and then we sing another, like, uh, how can it be? How can it be? We don't really, don't it's know, more but... of a performance. We don't okay. really do it very often. I don't do okay. it. But anyway, um, they're like the songs that I know. They're, they're fine. They're, they're, not, they're fine. They're not they're like, not, they're not in Christ alone. Right, right. You know what I mean? But like, they're Very clearly, are, they're yeah. clearly Christian songs. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, and so did the song she sang on Ellen was not like, so here, here's my thing. I didn't see it, so I can only comment in generalities. So let me comment in, on generalities. I don't think that there's anything wrong with her going on Ellen and performing a song. Right, I, I don't think you need to boycott Ellen because she's a lesbian, and I know that's part of this that's, whole that thing, is right? Exactly part of it. So I don't think you need to boycott Ellen because she's a lesbian, right? Any more than you would boycott a store, a, a, a coffee shop. Like how how many of you would have to boycott Starbucks if you couldn't get your coffee served to you by, by a gay barista? Like in all in all honesty, I'm sure that's a horrible bigoted thing for me to say, but so. I don't think you need to boycott things. In fact, I, I think as Christians, we're called to like build bridges. Like we're, we're called to build relationships. Now, that said, she could, it could lead to compromise, right? Mm-hmm. I don't know if behind the scenes, Ellen said, don't, not that song, but this song. So if I was in her position, first of all, it would have been a horrible performance because anybody who's heard me <laughs> sing, not so good. But um, so if it led to compromise in any way, if Ellen was calling the shots in terms of what you could and couldn't sing or asked you to change the lyrics or anything like that, that's, a, that's just an obvious no. But if you can go on and sing whatever song you want and you just per- perform one of your songs that has a clear gospel message, I think that's, I think that's totally fine. Now, I, so here's the other thing. You know, I don't think it's like, you know, there's some people who are like, oh, look at her using her platform to glorify God and all that kind of stuff. Like, I don't know if just performing music on Ellen glorifies God. If your songs glorify God, they glorify God no matter where they're played. Mm. And so I don't know her well enough and I don't know her songs. I don't know her theology. I don't know any of that kind of stuff. But I would say if she went on and just sang one of her regular songs and made sure there was a gospel message, then I have no problem with her going on and performing on Ellen. And I think that the Christians who think that she should have boycotted Ellen just because she's gay are the kinds of Christians who don't understand um, that the gospel can actually transform gay lives. And so, you know, I I think obviously it can lead to compromise in all kinds of ways, but I don't think, from what I know about the story, I don't think it did. I think, you know, go on there, sing your gospel song, hope that it has an impact on somebody. Um, Now, I would also be careful in my communications, right? I wouldn't be saying like Ellen's the best or, you know, any of that kind of stuff. So you got to be careful what you say. Um, but you know, not every time you get a microphone, do you have to condemn a particular sin? And I think, you know, as long as Lauren is faithful to the Bible and what she believes about homosexuality and when opportunities present themselves, she speaks biblical truth into them. That doesn't mean she had to go on there and say, Oh, and by the way, the Bible says, homosexuality is wrong she doesn't need to say that any more than she would have had to say lust or greed or or any of that kind of stuff is wrong so 
So I, I think Christian's getting upset with her is a bit ridiculous. Um, but those that would be kind of my general thoughts on on the matter. Yeah, I I basically had the the same idea. Um, the thing that I thought was interesting about the pushback she got so was on the fact that she didn't go far enough in terms of like pro- proclaiming anything. She just sang a good song. But it's funny. I found that I found that interesting because we often we always talk about we just want people to be. No, ordinary Christians who make it, who do extraordinary things because they're obedient. Yep. So we, we look at something like, okay, oh, she's made it now. Now start preaching. And she's like, she didn't make it as a preacher. She made it as a singer. She just sang a song. Right. I mean, she's just really good at singing the song and she's people, everybody knows she's a Christian. You know what I mean? So like, I look at that and be like, how, how long have we lived in a culture where the word Christian movie is just, cause it's going to, we know yeah. it's going to be bad. Yep. We're, Christian music gets the same thing, but it doesn't, it doesn't matter. Like she's a Christian who sings music. There is no inspired Christian song except the Psalms. Yeah. You know what I mean? So her singing, it makes it a Christian song. You know what I mean? Like if, if that made any sense to people, I hope, yep. I hope we maybe should do an episode on that. That let me, let's move on though. Yep. Cause I have one other and I, I know we're getting close on time here. Yep. <laughs> this is in Canada. Uh, so this one will give me a good chuckle because um, so 50 of our government employees were evacuated from their workplace because they found a spider. It was a brown, apparently a brown recluse spider, which is like the only poisonous spider we have in Canada in the office or, the, or what they thought was a brown recluse <laughs> spider. So they got sent home for two days. For two days. <laughs> Why two- so they can fumigate the whole building. Oh my word! Bear in mind, let's let's. I don't know if uh, like Americans have brown recluse spiders, but I don't know if they have them in Europe. It's about an inch, like in total size. It's not. It's not a tarantula. It's not a black widow. Like, it's tiny little thing, and it has to bite you to to, to do any harm, and it can't kill you. Like, well, I think it can if you have like respiratory problems, but I mean, like, generally, it can't kill you. But oh, here's the oh. kick: they they came back to work. And like two weeks later, they they saw another one, got sent home again, and they had to fumigate the office. But this time, they caught the they caught the spider. It wasn't was a brown. brown it wasn't a brown. <laughs> was it an even poisonous? Allegedly, it could be if it could bite humans, but it can't bite humans. So <laughs> oh, it's like a daddy long. So thing. this is so this is what I would say to all of the politicians who got evacuated. Tim Bailey thinks it, you're soft. <laughs> it cost it cost the taxpayers in Canada eighteen thousand dollars. Oh man, twice. <laughs> oh man, this is just soft, I, right? And that's just yeah. I I, I'm gonna I, don't, I don't have anything else to say other than just come on, guys. Devil's man advocate. Up. Like one guy, one guy. There's not one dude in that office who's just gonna step on the stupid thing. Like what's going on? That's true. That's true. <laughs> There's not one guy man enough to just say, "Guys, relax. Let me just go kill this thing." I'm gonna, like I'm gonna... I get that the fear is probably there's more, right? And somebody might get like there might be an infestation, but like, come on. So, yeah, here's the here, here's the thing. I'm I'm terrified of some of spiders. I, know, I wasn't gonna, out I... You, but you're soft too. <laughs> <laughs> Would you lay in a coffin with, with... No, you wouldn't. No, you wouldn't, Nate. I just wouldn't lay in a coffin with any animal. That's crazy. <laughs> I don't know why that why, was... A, I don't know where that's where scenario. my mind yeah. uh, But anyway, um, here's the thing. I, I don't want to be in a room... If I knew there was a tarantula in this room right now, I'd be, a, I'd be a little freaked out. But I wouldn't leave. You know what I mean? Like, I would when we were done. But I mean, like... <laughs> 
I wouldn't like le- like I wouldn't be like force myself to go home until it's fumigated. I'm still coming back and doing rebels next week. You know what I mean? Even if Dave doesn't kill the tarantula, why? Because Dave, let's put this to the test. Don't actually put it to the. <laughs> and the tarantula's three times the size of a brown recluse spider. Yeah. And I know I can like. It's just stupidity. Yeah, and this blo- this blows my mind. It's it's another we we've talked about this repeatedly. We have our prime minister is best known for his hair and his socks. Like, what do we expect? <laughs> <laughs> this is like Canada is just looked at on the world stage as just soft. Yeah, we we are soft. Yeah. Um, Grant and Erica the other day were talking about how much they like the rebels. Thanks, guys. We like you too. But then they were talking just about how nice we are. How how nice we are. They would not call us soft. I would hope, but. Yeah, Canada's just nice, and we have nice socks and nice hair, and we run away from spiders. That's 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 yeah. our reputation on the world stage. It's it, sad. You know, one thing niceness in a culture leads to is entitlement in the younger generation because totally. everybody's yeah. so used to having everybody yeah. be so nice to them yeah. that the next the next generation thinks that hey, you know what? I've earned that, and you we've earned, and we we made this joke, and I I I'm hesitant to say it, but it's forty minutes, and if you're still listening, you like us. <laughs> This generation needs some sort of like the, we're the first generation that has lived without some sort of major war without yeah. some. So we've we never been united together for a common goal, exa- right? We haven't lived exactly. through a great depression or a great war. Exactly, and yeah. so and so we we're the first generation that just just have reaped the benefits. We haven't had to earn the benefits. Yeah, we've just reaped them. Yeah, and so what ends up happening is that our kids, our teenagers, our twenty year olds, our, our millennials, basically live in a way that thinks. I, they've earned something that they haven't actually earned. Yeah. And so I think of this in the Christian way with this workplace where it's just like, there's a tiny little spider. I can't work. I have to go home with pay until you fix this tiny little problem rather than what your grandfather would have done. And what probably would have, it would have been the biblical thing that just kill the stupid spider. Yeah. You know what I mean, or just deal with it. So that it's interesting because that com- th- this conversation kind of went in a particular direction. So we were actually going to get to another topic, but we're, we won't. <laughs> We've just been talking about Rebel News all this time. So let me keep talking and riffing off this. So my wife works um, when she's not on mat leave, which she's been on mat leave for, <laughs> for a long time, last several years. But when she does work, she works at uh, a college and she works in the counseling and accessibility department. And uh so she she gives accommodations and she gives um, help to uh, students who need it because of learning disabilities or you know illnesses and all kinds of different stuff and that's that's a good thing and she enjoys the work she she does but um, it's interesting so she uh, a couple of weeks ago was talking about a mom who phoned the college the her her department on behalf of her son about getting a grade changed. And needing basically extra help and certain, you know, accommodations from the professor, not based on any sort of disability, not based on any sort of just sheer entitlement. Right. And she talks about like some of these kids who just come in and like they think she's the department who can do this and she isn't. But she, she you would be amazed at how many people come in just just wanting their grade changed. Not for any reason, not like, hey, you know, my grandfather died. My, you know, my mom died. I was at a funeral. I couldn't study or like any. It's just I, I can't get this grade. I need a higher grade. Can you change it? Like it's ridiculous. And then and then some of them whose moms will call. Like, can you like think back to when you were in college? Like, would you have ever let your one of your parents call and argue for you that you should have gotten a better grade? Like, how entitled are we when you just think oh, I just deserve a better grade? Why? Just because I need one. I just need it. Yeah, I just need it. I just need it. 
You know, I see this from my three-year-old. We were walking through, we're walking through the store, and she asked for a chocolate bar, and I say no, and she's like, "But I need it, right?" I'm trying to teach my three-year-old she doesn't need that. And and here are these like, and this is the reality. We have twenty and twenty-five year olds now who who think that they can get a better grade just because they they think that they need it, not because of any extenuating circumstances. Like, what's going to happen when these people need to go for a job, right? And they get in trouble from their boss. Their mom going to call the boss and be like, "Yeah, I, I know he's, you know, he doesn't do very good work, but you know, he, he needs this job, right? He needs it." Yeah. No, like we, we, we just created this culture of such entitlement. It's ridiculous. Yeah. Nobody earns it. I, I have, I have some friends who are teachers and, uh, they, they have kind of a mantra in the, in the high school here in, in, uh, London and, uh, their, their mantra is bring back the bully. So, so I, I it's, it's funny. I, you know, I, I kind of probed and asked what they meant by this, but basically what they're saying is, you know, all this anti-bullying stuff and everything is like, there was a role for a bully in our society. 100%. Right? There are some people who just need to get punched in the face. Like, <laughs> seriously, like, there are some people who never learn that you can't say stupid stuff to people. Like, somebody sometime is going to punch you for that. But we, there's so many people now who have grown up and they've never been called out on on their attitude. They've never been called out on how rude they are, how entitled they are, how highly they think of themselves. And there was a role for the bully on the playground where you say stupid stuff, you might get punched. Like, and I don't think that's like I don't get me wrong. I don't want anybody to be bullied. I don't like I know cyberbullying and and like I know that some of these things lead to really bad things. But there was a place in our society for people to have a healthy fear that you can't just say whatever you want to people. And we've lost that. Yeah. What the like? Now I can I can say this. I think people have heard my testimony. I was bullied. Yeah. So when I'm when I'm saying this, yeah, I'm coming from a place of somebody who I used to get let out of school early by my teachers so I could get home so I didn't get beat up before I got home. So like I know what it's like to be actually bullied. I don't think what you're actually saying is you want the kid to be bullied. No. What, what, all we're talking about is the bully. The bully's role in a school was accountability. That's and right. Not that I ever want to like use this show as an example, but the, if you've ever seen the show The Simpsons, mm. there was one bully on that show. He didn't really have any friends, but he was sort of always nice to everybody until they crossed the line with him. Mm. And as soon as they crossed that line, and that line was always arbitrary depending on the story, on the story arc, then the bully would come and beat up Bart, would come beat up the other kid, and you just see him just getting punched as a cartoon, whatever. Right. whatever. But that's a real good uh, gauge of what our culture kind of needed and what we needed in schools and what we need sometimes just in our lives is that person who's like willing to, to do that to you, not like necessarily punch you, but to keep you accountable in terms of like now you're just being a like a D. You know what I mean? Right. Now, now you're just being a jerk. Right. Because – your parents can't do it anymore. They're not allowed to touch you. They're not allowed to spank you. They're right. not allowed to do anything to you. Schools are schools. A lot of teachers can't fail kids anymore. You're not allowed to fail them. You can't even mark them wrong when they're late nowadays. Like if you can hand them assignments at any point, they can't actually dock you for it. The the bully was the last vestige of like you can't you can't just say that wise cracking kid. Right. You know what I mean, you can't just do that. Yeah. And and. Again, I'm not. I'm not saying we need all kids to be bullies, but there was a there. There is a role for that, and there's right. a role. And we we made the joke, and I won't say about who, but we've made <laughs> the joke. Where we're like, all that kid needed was to be punched once in his in his growing up time, so that he <laughs> would he'd learn, be a better person. He, exactly, he'd be a better person. He would know what yeah. he can and can't say, and the way he can can and not say yeah. it. What not say it. I see this in my workplace all the time. I I used to do it in my old job. I used to do interviews. 
and you could tell right away the people who would not work at my work because they couldn't like you'd ask them a question that was blunt and they wouldn't be able to answer it. Right. And it was just because they're not used to having anybody just put them on the, on the spot. Like, what do you suck at? You know what I mean? Like, right. what do you like? Just, and they're just, <laughs> they, they can't answer the question because they've never been, they've never had to think about it. They've never failed right? because they don't know what that's like because right. not because they've never done something poorly. Just nobody's ever told them they, right. they did a crappy job. So this, and I think we, we can go full circle with this because you know, what's interesting is that, um, you know, I, I when you look at kind of the political divide and, and everything that's going on right now, I think one of the things that has been so unique about this Trump presidency is that when Trump won the election, um, it, it, it really is for like the younger generation are the ones who vehemently hate Trump, right? I mean, it really is. Yeah. Like it's a lot of the millennials who have the most venom to spew his way because they're, you know, they're those kind of, I don't want to generalize too much, but generally, you know, they, they've been raised in this culture, right? This transgender, you know, um, ecumenical, um, pluralistic, relativistic society that this is where they've been raised. And in a lot of ways, I think Trump got elected as a backlash to how, how far Obama pushed the progressive, uh, agenda, and so Trump got elected because I think, quite honestly, there were a whole lot of older generation people who maybe aren't often involved in politics who came, turned out to vote and voted for Trump as a sort of reaction to the, 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 the rapid pace at which the world was changing under Obama, right? Transgendered washrooms and all this kind of stuff. I really think that that, that, that was a huge part of the election that, that the polls weren't showing because it, it was kind of unprecedented. I think one of the reasons we saw such a, a horrible reaction and riots and, and just whining mm. was because this was the first time when that collective entitled generation didn't get what they wanted. And you know what? The, the real world would have hit each and every one of them at different times, right? The first time they went to a job interview and didn't get the job. The first time they got fired from a job for being late because they can't actually do that. The first time they got failed in a university course because they didn't put the work in or whatever. They, it, this, all of their like naive assumptions about the world and their entitlement would have come crashing down at some point. But what happened is that collectively it happened at one time because of one thing. The election didn't go their way. And so all the crying and all the moaning and all of the rioting is all a reaction of all of them experiencing real life hitting them in the face for the first time. And I think it's just, it's, it's interesting because I think that's what has created such a rage and such a, uh, everything is, everything is a reaction nowadays. So just to bring that full circle, <laughs> I think, I think that, uh, we meandered our way to a, 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 a rounded conversation, but I think, <laughs> Um, that's the, uh, I think that's the culture that we're living in right now. It's a really interesting time to, to, to be looking at headlines and kind of talking through the culture. Yeah, absolutely. I think you're, I think you're spot on with it. I think when we, when we look at the way just, just the political landscape of, it almost seems like young versus old, like left versus right. There's never been a time that I can remember that this is more evident. Yeah, and I, I, you said earlier about that's because we haven't had one thing to unify us around. Yeah, and I think the left thinks that you, everybody's unifying around anti-Trumpness, but that's just because they're in their own circles. Right. Whereas I, th I think, but something when you when you rally against what you're when you sorry when you unite for something that you're against, it never has the longevity of if you unite around something that you're for. 
Yeah, absolutely. Right? Absolutely. You can look at that in, look at that in sports, right? Everybody we know that's a baseball fan hates the Yankees. We don't <laughs> yeah. know one person who yeah. likes the Yankees. Sorry, Van Brimmers. I know you live, <laughs> you live in the New York. <laughs> They're Mets I, they must be Mets fans. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Poor they guys. Bronx. Uh, he has so. a mustache. He doesn't watch baseball. Yeah. Um, Are you kidding me? He looks like Wade Boggs. <laughs> <laughs> I went away with Ty Cobb. Oh, <laughs> anyway, I don't know if he had a yeah. mustache. I just assume. Um, anyway, I just mean like yeah. when you when you unify around like a, an, a a collective hatred, it fizzles out. Yeah, because eventually, like the Yankees don't win every year. Trump probably isn't winning the next election, and then he. Goes I actually away. think he will, but really, yeah, I do. Interesting. I yeah. uh, we, we'll talk about that yeah, sometime. But but, okay. uh, but even if it's eight years, it ends. It yeah. ends, and yeah. then the that hatred has to go somewhere else, right? Yeah. Um, okay, so. I want to tie a ball on this. So here's how I'm going to do it. Um, I think that when we say that uh, this generation has never been united around something, this is where we believe that it's, it's not just important to preach the gospel. And we just got through a whole series of kingdom parables. It's important to preach the gospel of the kingdom because I think Christianity is, is, more appealing. The gospel message is more appealing. And I get it's not our job to make the gospel appealing, but this is why both in Matthew and in Acts, it talks about preaching the gospel of the kingdom, not just the gospel of, you know, Christ's atoning work on the cross, but the gospel of the kingdom, because that is the thing. That is why we unite around sports. That is why, you know, we're, uh, previous generations were able to do some good, even though, even with unregenerate hearts, they were able to do some good. Look at the Tower of Babel right? God scattered them because when they were united, they could have done more harm in the rebellion against God than, and then had they not been united. So there's something about unity and being of one accord and being on, on one mission together. And so I think that the cure for this, of course, is the gospel and particularly the gospel of the kingdom. What we need is to see young people united around the, uh, the mission of God to, to build the kingdom of God on earth. And I think that's 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 why there's this you know this uh, longing in all of us to rally around a sports team, rally around a great war, rally around a whatever the case may be. We we want to be united and we want to be in a community that's doing something. It's because God designed us to build the kingdom, right? He designed us to be part of a community that was cultivating and taking dominion over the earth and doing that in in a God glorifying way. So um, I think that uh, what we need to do as Christians is focus on the gospel of the kingdom, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, working towards kingdom growth, and not get caught up in the rage of just being rallied around the things that we're against. So there's my bow. That's Rebel News. That's a kind of uh, episode that kind of went in a different direction, but hopefully uh, it helped you think through some things. Yeah, we didn't intend for this to just all be Rebel News, but we got chatting. <laughs> <laughs> we got to chatting. And now, now you know what our wives go through after after we watch a movie or have dinner together and it's like 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock, and our wives are going, uh, we, we got to go, guys. Stop talking. Your wife uh, just says, get out. <laughs> yeah, she does. Yeah, she, she does. That's how you know she loves you. When she's comfortable enough to say, all right, time for you to leave. It's bad. Get out of here. Yes. Uh, we're family. Anyway, we're out. Rebels. Cheers. See you next week.